Welcome to Dragon Talk, everybody! Yay! Very exciting. We are yes. here. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined, as always, by Shelly Hello, Greg. How are you? We're in our quiet mode today. It's a little ASMR when you're. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, so Quinn's gotten into ASMR lately, and we've been watching ASMR for kids. And Good. it's a lot of playing with slime. It's so weird, but I find myself absolutely transfixed by it. I have a problem with mouth sounds in general, and so I hate it. Oh, because of cannot, the way they talk. They it's do. More of that, they're eating, they're eating ASMR stuff. I can't do it. But Ooh, this no. is the type of ASMR that I think everybody on this podcast will enjoy. Oh my God, that's really good. Rolling of the dice. Yes. That's and good. That is actually really good. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows those sounds. Yes. For the math rocks. The sounds of a D20 hitting a table and landing on a 20. Mm, every time. Every time. I don't even know. Of the time. I don't even know what it's time. like to roll below an 18. Can you hear this? <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. No, I can't. You need to have multiple yeah. ones. This is this is that Swarovski one, and it's beautiful, but it's not. It's not clickety clackety. This. Oh yeah! Ooh, you can hear the weight of that one. Right. Ugh, it's just so 20, 20, 20, 20. <laughs> oh, 18, 20, 20. Well, we rolled a twenty on our guest today. Wow. Yeah. Is here. She is able to talk all about the fun stuff that she is doing in her Philly by Night game about Vampire the Masquerade, lots of horror talk, uh, great streamer and TRPG player, and you're going to, I think, really enjoy it. I think that is a very true statement. And something you're not going to enjoy is what? going to detention. Wah, wah. While you're in Strixhaven, you go to a bog, and the song that's playing in the background is Don't You Forget About Me. <laughs> and you're there on a Saturday morning, even? Saturday morning detention. Boo. Boo. Um, who's going to be John Bender? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that Amanda Hammond is going to be one of those characters. I'll have to ask her which one. Okay, let's, let's get to it. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and today I'm joined by Amanda Hammond. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Very excited to jump into some fun lore in the book Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. In this segment, we like to talk about lore because it's great to you know inform more of the stuff that you might be creating as you're running that adventure. And it's also just really fun to know and listen to. Uh, so this topic is the detention bog, uh, which when I was, was, was looking through this uh, adventure book, I was the most excited because I just started playing the theme from The Breakfast Club uh, on my <laughs> Alexa, Don't You Forget About Me, uh, over yep. and over and over again uh, as I was reading it. So, And I'm actually turning down my Alexas right now in case they start playing that as I'm saying it. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's dive in. What is the detention bog? So the detention bog is one of many marshy, boggy areas on the Witherbloom campus. And for those of you who are new to Strixhaven lore, Witherbloom is... 
the College of Decay. It uses uh, life-giving magic, so druidic magic in nature, but also uh, magic that can draw off uh, life forces. And because, you know, evil magic is banned very much uh, at Strixhaven, in fact, the main villain, uh, one of the reasons that he was kicked off of campus many years ago was because he was using forbidden uh, life-draining magic. Um, but so there's a very sort of uh, sort of gothic kind of dark undertone to the magic that Witherbloom College uses, regulated very tightly, of course, but um, that sort of thematic element is still there. So the detention bog is one of these uh, boggy places on the campus because the whole campus is full of marsh and fens and bogs and things like that. This is an expansive area on kind of the uh, the edge of campus, not off campus, but on the edge of campus uh, that um, there are lots of supply uh, transits and trains that go back and forth, um, taking spell casting supplies, various uh, supplies needed for the university that pass through this bog just because of the way the geography around the campus works. And so uh, there is um, a, a type of sort of disciplinary hierarchy, uh, an academic disciplinary hierarchy at Strixhaven. And it runs, you know, the gamut all the way from you, you know, have uh, various, various little like kind of small uh, reprimands that happen uh, to actually being in detention, assigned to the detention bog, which is like a community service thing, because there's always something needs to be done in the detention bog with it being, you know, a marshy sort of um, uh, like transit sort of path uh, for for the university there um, and all the way up to uh, like being uh, kicked out of extracurriculars and having to, to get tutored, um, being on academic probation is something that is discussed a little bit on the book, in the book, what happens if you fail, you know, multiple exams and you can actually be ex- expelled from the school. Um, again, that main villain from the uh, from the university was expelled from the school, which is kind mm. of part of his grudge that he's holding um, against this university. But so the detention bog fits kind of square in the middle uh, of some of that, some of the remedial um, disciplinary actions that can happen to you uh, for mostly kind of minor mischief, uh, sometimes unintentional uh, mistakes that actually like caused a lot of property damage or in some way like was a big public spectacle or something like the university wants you to know you should not do that again. <laughs> so uh, there are students assigned to uh, community service in the detention bog. And then there are upper class students uh, who in most cases volunteer, but in some, some cases uh, are assigned to be detention monitors, to be kind of the mentors of these younger misbehaving students, to show them a good example um, and help them, you know, uh, with tasks that might be more difficult for them because they are, you know, of a, a lower, lower class and status. Uh, and just kind of be a be a good example. So there's this whole sort of like hierarchy of stuff going on in the background um, behind why the detention bog functions the way that it does. So cool. Um, what were what, when you get assigned detention? Is it like a, a finite amount of time? Is it like one hour? Is it an entire day? Like, or does it oh. matter on the infraction? It's usually, uh, it's there's usually like when the university has a task that needs to be handled that is kind of outside of the normal tasks that the staff members would take care of. Um, that is something that, you know, is considered like a fairly, um, 
fairly sort of laborious, but kind of low risk, then they send students to do it. And it's usually anywhere from a couple hours to most of a day. Um, There's a specific event in the fourth year adventure in which um, the player characters are asked to be detention monitors in the Mm -hmm. detention bog um, for the misbehaving students who are doing community service as punishment. Um, And they are retrieving uh, some crates that have fallen off of supply carts that are needed, um, spell components and various other supplies for other things on campus. So they um, have to, they have to track down those specific crates. They have to make sure that they're in damage. They have to load them back on at a specific area on the solid land near the detention bog. And that takes the better part of a few hours. That's pretty typical for what would be assigned um, in the detention bog. So is it possible for uh, any teacher to assign a detention or is it more, is there like a disciplinary board or something like that? Like who actually passes down the the punishment? It would be the professors. It would be the professors who uh, would recommend students, you know, be assigned detention log duty for whatever infraction they do. And then there, there is kind of an ombudsman um, individual at the university. There's an office, right, that all happens behind the scenes, but there's an office who just kind of double checks and is like, yeah, this is a pretty good reason for the students and need to be assigned to the detention bog. And then, and then they are. Um, there's probably rare instances where uh, there's uh, sort of like some skepticism of like, yeah, this isn't necessarily bad enough or like, oh, this is much actually much worse than detention. Maybe they need to be Mm. assigned, you know, some kind of tutor. Maybe they need to be on some kind of probation or something. Um, But uh, an interesting thing in this fourth year adventure that we've got in Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, is that, um, of course, the characters are detention monitors, so they themselves are not in trouble. But there's a table um, of students who are in detention and what they've done. And these are all NPCs who are described in detail um, in... um, in the book, uh, in our our nine page section of NPCs and their backgrounds and you know their boons and their banes for the relationship system, we actually have a table in the fourth year adventure that lists uh, ten of those different NPCs uh, and uh, like who they are, what college they're in, which is you know just static information, but also what did they do to be assigned attention. So there can be a little bit more information uh, that the DM can kind of provide through role-playing of, uh, you know, the student admitting what it is they did. And that also runs the gamut of uh, just kind of, you know, harmless mischief that the the character shouldn't be doing, but they got caught doing anyway uh, to an accident. Um, like Quintilius, uh, Melentor III. Quintilius A. Melentor III is sort of a, a notorious kind of jerk who likes to mess with people. Uh, he, uh, you know, is kind of all, he's he's got a lot of disdain and kind of looks down on other students and, you know, thinks that he's really good and he thinks it's, he, he thinks it's funny when bad stuff happens to other characters. So uh, the reason that he is in detention is because he released pest mascots in Wittershins Hall, pest mascots being the the weird, uh, slimy little spiky caterpillar things, which yeah. I'm sure he thought was hilarious <laughs> and tried to make it look like it was an accident, but he got caught. <laughs> and and so, so he got detention for doing that. <laughs> that's awesome. I yeah. think all types of uh, tables like that are such an inspiration for, you know, not only just rolling and picking and then integrating it with your story, but then just being inspirations for for other similar type things that uh, the DM can, can improvise along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, were you ever in detention? Mm. 
I was somewhat of a troublemaker, uh, but in that sort of like harmless, mischievous way that uh, you see a lot throughout this book. Uh, and mostly when I was younger, like not not even really through high school um, or university, but when I was in middle school, um, for example, uh, one time I did get actually multiple Saturday school detentions because there was a breaker box in the girls' bathroom. And I have a father who's an electrician, so I knew what that was. And I was like, oh, let's open this door because it's not locked. Oh, look at all of these breakers. Let's see what happens if I do this. Shoop. Oh. And all the lights <laughs> to the entire floor of the school. <laughs> and then, of course, I got caught because, of course, somebody did that, right? Mm. And it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, huh? And they're like, you absolutely should not have. <laughs> you are going to get detention. <laughs> To get shown that you should not mess with the electrical equipment. <laughs> or maybe they should put a lock on it. <laughs> or yeah. maybe that's, I mean, it wasn't my fault. It was just begging. It was begging to be opened. Right. And the yeah. switches, like, how was I going to know that that was what was going to happen? Is it a school policy not to use switches? Uh, well, there is one now. <laughs> right now because of you. Uh, that's awesome. All right, so you've got some firsthand knowledge of, of yeah. the type of mischief that could happen. So I got, I got detention for some, some stuff like that a few times. So. Well, I, and even that is wonderful because, you know, there's going to be students that you're there uh, who, who don't think that they were punished uh, rightfully and have some kind of pluckiness to their, uh, and, you know, resent the fact that they have to go clean up uh, stuff in the detention bog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got, uh, <laughs> there's also just some of those accidents. Like you can see some some characters who are um, kind of the goody two-shoes, kind of goody two-shoes, teacher's pets type characters uh, mm. who never get in trouble for anything. But some of the accidents that they do from just being their reckless, chaotic, good selves. Like we have a, a character named Rosie Was Fedlums who uh, is a gnome and uh, she, you know, is, is high, she's very hyperactive and she's really passionate and she's very extroverted uh, and she's um, uh, like a referee for Mage Tower and, uh, you know, she's in the live action role-playing guild and she always plays the monsters and she chases down the good guys and she makes nomming noises at them and she's just this really fun character that our writer Alexander Sangram invented and uh, I have her in detention in the fourth level adventure because she accidentally triggered a protective spell on a book that caused another student to be banished to an extra dimensional space for a short time. You know, she accidentally. <laughs> it wasn't her fault. She didn't mean to. She was just like, she was just being a little bit of a troll, just being like, what's this do? Ah. <laughs> And, you Just know. like you with the uh, <laughs> with the breaker box, you're like, yeah. Oh, no. What's this do? How would I have known? Yeah. yeah, she got detention for that. They didn't buy that any more than the principal bought it from me. <laughs> that I did not know <laughs> what it would do. Uh, such and and I love how that will then also interact with the potentially the re the relationship system. You know, if you are the the upper upperclassman who is. Uh, you know, monitoring what this this character is doing, you could have a little friend, uh, and that might even grow into something more, right? Like I just love that yeah. all the or, things that we're talking about all inter interact together, and maybe they meet each other at the you know at the, at the detention bug, yeah, absolutely. Or I mean, something that I foresaw, foresaw as being kind of fun is you you get asked by a faculty member to be a detention monitor, and there's a plot based reason because there there's a suspicious activity in this area, and they can't really prove anything, but. You as characters have been on the trail of some of these happenings for four years now, and they so they ask you to go um, be a detention monitor and discreetly check out what's going on while you're performing like an actual legitimate service 
to the university. Uh, and so like my thought was uh, the characters are like, okay, we'll do that. You know, this professor that, you know, we're really close with has asked us to do it. And then they show up and like their boyfriend's in <laughs> detention <laughs> where it's just like, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that too. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Just um, like, oh, I might have accidentally plane shifted somebody for a short period of time. <laughs> to so another. You, you mentioned the picking up of, of supplies as a possible task. Like what other yeah. some are, are some things that could be, uh, you know, if, if, if a dungeon master is running something that's not whole cloth from the adventure, you know. Sure, uh, yeah. Um, so because it's a, it's a marshy uh, area, you know, there's lots of druid sort of overtones, druidic overtones to the whole Witherboom canvas, but specifically this bog, uh, you could have them be collecting spell components, you could have them be collecting, um, you know, material components or somatic components, um, uh, or, you know, like other things that are, are needed to be used with the casting of these spells. Um, you could also you know, uh, like potions and potions and um, various like elixirs and, you know, magical, uh, magical like mixings. That's, that's a thing that actually is taught at the university. And, you know, there are classes that revolve around that whole thing. So collecting, you know, uh, specific um, liquids and and reagents found in nature could also be something that you have to do. Um, Really any kind of sort of fetch quest. I think that's tied to something that is, going to make sense uh, as being taught if it's not already called out in the book as being taught is a really good option uh, because that stuff is there in abundance. It's also like, it's also kind of on the outskirts. So, you know, there could be um, a little bit of a like, oh, you know, um, we found this really old, uh, this really old artifact that, you know, bubbled up from, from the swamp. And so like we need students to go through this portion of the detention bog to make sure there's not any other artifacts that we've missed. And and that can actually be a way to have a a pretty important type of task that is also kind of makes sense for, for detention, um, community service tasks, because it's not inherently dangerous and it's not, you know, something that, um, is going to, uh, you know, be something that only faculty members can do. Anybody can go search through the bog looking for stuff. So that might be that might be a cool way to introduce some kind of like MacGuffin or some kind of a new right. um, item that's important is that they me- literally find it. And you mentioned that it wouldn't necessarily be dangerous, but is that also a possibility that there could be, you know, some plant, oh, yeah. some plant monsters or shambling oh, mounds yeah, yeah. or, or yeah. even undead, right? Because it's Witherbloom, so you could have, you know, some not intended but you know have some undead oh yeah it's it's on the it's on that that cusp of being you know on but off campus right it's right there on the edge so there's monsters um you know and creatures that roam all throughout you know the outskirts um outside of campus so this you know this does show up in the fourth year adventure and it's for eighth level it starts out at eighth level and this is like the event that kind of kicks off this adventure so there's some stuff that can be pretty that can be pretty dangerous that can come out of the out of the um the bog there uh, there's uh is it a trudge i think there's a trudge that ends up like ac- accidentally being kind of like hibernating and the characters uh just come across it and kick its nest uh, you know inadvertently and then they got to deal with what you know what happens when the trudge awakes and how are they going to deal with that so that's that's definitely also an option yeah and then and then what about uh another idea i had was flipping the scenario that you're talking about in the fourth year situation where some of the first years could be, you know, assigned detention and then they have to go and create potential relationships with upper upperclassmen or, yeah. or things like that if they're the ones who are assigned detention at, at, when they're younger. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it can be, you know, like a, a character building thing, right? And in fact, like the the character who um, is the faculty overseer, because there's always a faculty overseer just making sure the students are doing what they're supposed to and that the upperclassmen are, are actually, you know, like mentoring and overseeing and monitoring the situation. Like the faculty member who who's over overseeing it can... Uh, you know, kind of take part in whatever it is that they want. Um, the faculty member who's uh, in the fourth level adventure in the specific detention bog scene uh, is a very fun sort of uh, overly enthusiastic brand new instructor named Arkin Menexis, uh, who is a creation of Bill Benham, who wrote this adventure. And uh, he just wants everybody to be best friends and he wants everybody to learn. And he's so excited and he tries to start the event out with some like team building. And it's going to be very reminiscent of like what an orientation would be like to people maybe who've attended, you know, certain U.S. universities. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, That's great. Bill, And Bill you can is, lean into that or you can just be like, this guy is such a bore and you can just kind of ignore <laughs> it. Um, it's, it's kind of fun, but he is, uh, he is very, very excited. And, and if the characters talk to him about like, we're actually here, you know, looking for something like really scary, he's kind of like, oh, I didn't realize how big of a deal that was, you know, and he can help them. That is rife with with storytelling possibilities. I love being able to include a faculty member, upperclassmen, and upperclassmen put into a situation that is potentially dangerous. Uh, while in this, you know, generally uh, yeah, programmatic uh, university, like the, things don't usually like happen, but here's an area where it could, right? And there could mm-hmm. be some danger. And I think that's yeah. a really great tool in the Dungeon Master toolbox when they're running something like like Strixhaven. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for talking all through that. I will not be assigning detention to you, I don't think, uh, after this conversation. I was thinking about it earlier on, and you really <laughs> need to do better. <laughs> That's because you haven't found... Oh, wait. Never mind. <laughs> nothing. You saw nothing. What haven't we found, <laughs> Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I have not right. changed. Like, I'm still that same 10-year-old kind of troublemaker. <laughs> You're the criminal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm the brain. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who the sporto is. Maybe that's Bill. We'll, we'll figure Thank you, the brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, if folks want to bounce any ideas off of you or potentially ask to get out of detention, uh, out of the detention bog, even, how can they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter these days. I am at Amanda Hammond. That's H-A-M-O-N. All kinds of nonsense and fun, uh, fun, weird nerd takes on stuff are there. So, you know, you've been warned. Have fun. (laughs) I look forward to seeing everybody sending their uh, PCs to you as a a faculty member. Let's see how that works. (laughs) Lord, I should never be a faculty member of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thank you, Absolutely love bringing of the idea of detention of different characters stuck together to try to do some tasks. Um, and strict season just really comes to life by all of these events, right? Yes. And how you could have your own, just like a whole mini campaign set in a detention box. I know, right? Over the course of uh, you know two hours, they have to write an essay about what they did and yes. why they deserve to be in detention. Having a party, I mean, they basically are a party. Yeah. All the different tropes. And you could just have them not know each other and get thrown into the detention bog together. Yeah. And let's just see some character development there. 
Let's like, see what happens. I like the upperclassmen having to teach some of the lower classmen too. Like there's lots of great ways you can play with it. So many tropes. Yes, so many. Well, that was fun. Speaking of horror and the tropes involved with that, uh, let's talk to Farby. Let's do it. Everyone, let's welcome Fair B to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so excited for you to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank uh, you for you are a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons player and a, and a streamer, yeah. uh, and uh, we wanted to talk to you because uh, your 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 audience is growing, and we wanted to see what it was like. Um, and uh, the first thing we always want to ask is, what is your? You know, what did you start? How did you get started playing Dungeons and Dragons? Um, well, I've always been like aware of Dungeons and Dragons, but mostly, you know, that the pop culture references where it's not really cast in like the greatest light. Um, so I've always yeah. been aware, but I didn't really have any like interest in it until all of my friends were just talking about D and D and constantly <laughs> like, to, and like not even just to each other, but like, I would say to me, but it was more at me because I couldn't contribute to the conversation. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. You're talking to me about all the, these different actual play shows and I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm glad that you're so passionate. Um, and I mean, it just got to the point where I just, I wanted to know why my friends liked this so much. Like, to me, it was just always like, I mean, and it, I mean, this isn't a bad thing, but it's like, this is kind of like a nerdy thing, right? Like, it's like Lord of the Rings. Like, what is this? So I expressed interest to one of my friends and uh, they offered to like DM for me um, a campaign just to see if I liked it. So I, they helped me roll my first character and everything. And I... That's when I got it. That's when I understood why people liked it so much. I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. Like, I like the combat. I like the role play. I just like all, like, the different magic and stuff. I get it now. I understand. I just had to experience it first uh, <laughs> before I could get to it. Yeah. So, and I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> when was that? When About how, uh, what, what time was that? Yeah. That was like, that wasn't actually not that long ago. It was about 2019, nice. 2018, 2019. So I've only been playing for a couple of years, but I, I just, I love it so much. It's like the one hobby that I have not lost interest in yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had good timing learning how to play right before we had to go into two oh years of quarantine. <laughs> so Absolutely. It's, it's a and, good thing to know how to do. Oh, for sure. And I, I think I kind of, um, I had a jump on it than most people do because my campaign, like the people I was playing with, we were all remote anyway because we didn't, we don't live in the same state. So we were already doing it on Discord and stuff. So I was like, okay, I got this. I could do this. This is fine. It's not, it's nothing new to me. <laughs> um, actually this past year, I got to play a one shot at my first physical table. It was so exciting. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, you've, before then, all of your D&D experience was virtual. Online. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was that like being in person? It was, it was so much fun because, I mean, for a lot of my online campaigns, you know, we'll go on camera and stuff, but it's just so interesting. It's just a more, um, I just felt more uh, engrossed in it at the table because I got to see people's roles and everyone's reactions and we had a battle mat and everything. It was just like that quintessential experience I felt that I was missing. And mm. it was, and also it was just like 
the past summer was kind of a little rough for me in a lot of ways. And so that kind of was just a bright spot for me, just being able to sit at a table with friends and play a game that I love so much. It was amazing. Yeah, that's, great. that's really cool. What was that first character you played? I, I'm interested. Like, what, 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 what was your, your archetype that you, yeah. you latched onto when you wanted to play? So it's funny that you asked that because I've been thinking about her nonstop lately. <laughs> um, I haven't had a chance to play her because that campaign's been like on a very long hiatus just due to a lot of different factors. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, she started out as a grave cleric. Her name is Najana. Um, I had like this very intricate backstory for her. And like, I, but I'm thinking about just uh, rebuilding her, I think, now that there's a lot of like new... Um, new subclasses and, and races and lineages that that have come out since I've made her. Um, mm. So for example, when I first made her, I had her, she had been dead and she was brought back to life. And now we have this reborn lineage and there it fits go. so well. So I might just yes. snatch that and use that for her instead. Because uh, her backstory was she died in like this great battle and she was a paladin when she died. Um, and then somebody tried to do like a true resurrection spell, but it, something went wrong with it. And so she has like no memory of who she, who she was before. And she's like, just trying to like learn about herself and and figure out like where she comes from and, and everything. And uh, so I just, I've just been thinking about her a lot. So I'm like, I think I need to like kind of revamp her and uh-huh. make her even better. Uh, no pun yeah. Intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Sounds like everything in Van Richten's would be, would be right up your alley. Uh, yeah, to, absolutely. To tinker with. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with the lineages. I'm not gonna lie. Like the amount of he- uh, like hex bloods and damn oh, yeah. characters, and even reborns that I've made. It's like kind of out of control. <laughs> I I love the idea of a reborn character. I've never played yeah. one uh, that has come back to life. Typically, if you were a, if your character was brought back, would they have a memory of their past life? I don't. Or is that kind of up to the player to decide? I think that would be up to the player. Um, I think with like the language of like some resurrection spells, it's basically like you basically are back as yourself um, from my understanding. But I do like I um, with Reborn, they have, it has a table where you can like roll. And I think they're one of it's like, you can see if you have your memories or not, or you might have like snippets of different memories um, just to, based on like how you flavor yourself as being Reborn. Yeah, um, I would play it as like, I think I would like, depending on the character, I could play either way. For Najana, she has no memory of who she is. Um, I have another reborn character. She also has no memory of who she is. And she's also like kind of a Frankenstein together person. Um, (laughs) So it's just depending. I think, I think it's a very interesting concept though. Like I love it a lot. I'm also, I mean, I'm a big Frankenstein fan. So it was like the second reborn came out. I was like, I have to have that one <laughs> immediately. Yeah. So you, have you played around in Van Richten's guide at all? Cause you keep, you just, you're basically just yeah. listing all the key selling points right here. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have, I have played, I, I have played a, a couple of those lineages. I haven't necessarily gotten to play in like the actual um, setting of Van Richten's though. I, I have played, it am playing Curse of Strahd right now. So okay. similar. Um, yeah. but I just like I latched on to those new lineages the second they were yeah, even like really when cool. it was just UA, I like latched onto them. I just find them so very fascinating. 
Um, and I just like that just in general that uh, Watsi is moving away from races and going more to lineages because I just think that kind of allows for more flavor and just more room to like just ex- explore and experiment with the kind of character you want to have. Absolutely. Yeah, The um, it, it sounds like you have a big affinity to the kind of horror-esque genre as well. Is that is oh that God. this kind of stuff I, you read as a kid? Read as a kid, read, read as an adult, watch as an adult now. Like, I think the most, like, media I consume is horror. Um, but not like, I don't even look for, like, horror that's good. A lot of the times I'll find a movie <laughs> and I'm like, this looks really bad. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and that's, like... That's how I spend my weekends when I'm not like streaming or playing things. I'm like, let me just find a really bad horror movie to watch. And sometimes like I'm surprised, like I'll read a summary and I think it's going to be a bad movie and it turns out to be really good. (laughs) So, but yeah, I love horror. I loved horror since I was like in high school, even before high school, honestly, like I'll say like when I was a kid, uh, I don't, for some reason, my, uh, my dad let me watch Fright Night. Um, like no. the night, the one from like the 1980s. Like, well, <laughs> like I don't know why, ouch. but I did watch it when I was a kid, and I loved it. So, and you were okay after that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay like, you know, deb- that's debatable. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> define okay. Yeah, let's roll. Look on where that. I am now. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say you're okay. Oh, I do have dice. I I can roll on this. So uh, on. Unfortunately, I think you failed your save. If we're going off of my roll. <laughs> okay, let's Uh-oh. see. Let's see. I got a 14. Not bad. No, you're okay. You're good. (laughs) There was just like some thread, I don't know, on Facebook or something. And it was, what movie did you see when you were young that like scarred you for life? For me, I'd say it was, um, I think Poltergeist did a number on me. Mm. Movie that scarred me. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. Part three. For me. Only just <laughs> One and two someone, didn't bother you? <laughs> some neighbor kid had it on. They were older, so they were like watching it. I was probably, you know, like my daughter's age, like eight or nine watching it. And I, I had not been exposed to any horror uh, before that. And it, it messed me up. Especially a, a villain that causes nightmares and is nightmares. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I still, uh, you know, have the, the jitters from, from that movie. So when I was a kid, these are movies that I I saw or like media that I even saw. But like, um, you know, back in the day, we had like the video rental stores. So uh, we would go to the video rental store and there would be like a poster of Chucky. And then like late at night, like like, you know, the start of Tales of the Crypt would come on when it was time for me to go to bed. Um, And so those like. I was terrified of them for years. <laughs> just terrified. I was like, this is scary. I would have nightmares about the Crypt Keeper coming to take my family away. It was just like, oh no. Um, but I think one movie that scarred me, it's not even horror. It's but <laughs> it's the Santa matter. Claus. Uh, it still scares I mean, me to this day. That's, that's p- pretty horrifying if you think about it. Um, a, lot of body, <laughs> a lot of body horror in that one. Like you just yeah. like sh- like something happens to you and you just start changing. That's actually pretty terrifying. Um, You're actually but right. <laughs> yeah. The, the Fox and the Hound from Disney. Ter- like not even terrifying, but just like depressing. So yeah. sad. There, I can't even watch it to this day. <laughs> there's got it. I, I don't know that I've seen it, but I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming that like, the, one of them's going to die. Yeah, it's basically like a fox and a hound, like, as kids were friends, and the hound was trained to, like, hunt foxes and stuff, and it's just, like, it's so depressing. (laughs) 
It's like the, yeah. I have not seen it since. It oh came to yeah, them. Like, I still refuse to say. I'm like, I can't do that. Everybody's happy. All animals are happy. All animals yeah. like each other, like I, Bambi, right? Right? Yeah. No, yeah, Bambi exactly. was horrible too. <laughs> Bambi lost her mom. I know. We all think because that happens early on, but that's like in the middle of the movie. Like you actually start to really love Bambi's yeah. mom, and then you're like, oh wait, what? I thought that yeah. was yeah. the beginning. No, it happens. It's like it 40 happens. minutes in or something. You're like. It happens when you're invested in like their family. Yeah. Oh, maybe am I thinking of Dumbo? Does that one happen right in the beginning? It's always the mom. Maybe. Yeah. It's always the mom. Yeah, but but at least the mom was alive. They were just separated. And at the end, mm-hmm. Dumbo is reunited with his mother. Um, Wait a minute. I know I, thought I know Dumbo's... this because I was I know this because as a kid I was obsessed with Dumbo. <laughs> but I thought Dumbo's mom died in a fire. No? No, I don't think so. I don't recall that happening. Did my I mom tell me the different story? United. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think because Dumble's whole thing was trying to get back to his mom, if I recall correctly. Oh my God. Yeah, what if all separate. this time? Watch, we're both wrong. Why my not? mom <laughs> took like, my mom took like horrible, sad, already Disney stories and then made them even more made them horrific. Worse. <laughs> Your mom oh, went like full brother's grin <laughs> on you, it sounds like. <laughs> I think she did. I've told Greg... I know I've told people listening that she used to have like her own like creepy witch character that she would LARP basically. She would turn into at a moment's notice and scare my brother and I. And I, now I, as a mom, I realize, oh, she just wanted to be alone. She just, she just, <laughs> she turned into fiddly boozoo and we went running. We just Amazing. ran away. And then she was probably just like laid on the couch. Sparked up a Virginia Slim and just watched <laughs> all my children. Parents, <laughs> parents take note. I mm. get it now. Get it. This is how you do it. It just wouldn't. That doesn't work. You're possessed and it works every time. Does not work on my kid. Would not work on Greg's youngest daughter That's because true. they actually love horror as well, and they would think Amazing. that they would think I was super cool if she, I was really a possessed witch. Yeah, my daughter begs me to watch. Uh, uh, horror movies like she sees the ads for them which is you know the equivalent of going into the, the video store like you were saying uh, yep. there, and actually yeah. like the, I have some images from those video stores things that still frighten me to this day right where I'm like oh god and I would I would that was my horror because again I didn't really uh, I go with it very much but I would go in and like I uh, get a little scared and then run away yeah but she yeah. wants to see it all the time and uh, I think it's really interesting you know because we do play Dungeons and Dragons sometimes um to be able to experiment with storytelling that has horror elements and combat and things like that to to allow some agency uh for for kids yeah absolutely i think that's like one of the the best things about D is that aspect of storytelling and blending different genres together and like exploring how things can be horror without like leaning in too much into like you know like gore and stuff like that because that's not horror to me um horror is like that creepy feeling that runs up your spine when you're in like a very dark quiet house and there might be something lurking further yeah like further away you know just things like that so I that's what I like and I've had I've been fortunate to have like a lot of good storytellers where like when we're in a horror setting they are very good about just balancing it out like and players do too like I think I've played with a lot of people who are like when things are starting to get like tense we're like okay somebody crack a joke right now because <laughs> release this tension please <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so that's what I that's what I love about the game is just like it's like so dynamic and like it makes you feel so many different things that I, I wasn't 
before I started playing, I would have never expected that from this game. Yeah, I'm interested because, you know, again, you did come to it uh, in, in 2019, so relatively recently. Um, what were, And you mentioned, you know, the, the, the stereotypes and kind of how uh, it was thought of beforehand. So what, how did you think about it then? And then, you know, how did playing, you know, change that perception? Back then, it was basically like, so basically, I'm just playing Lord of the Rings. Is that what this is? Like, I don't understand. Um, now, these days, it's just something, it's a creative outlet for me mm. a lot of the times. Even just with, like, building characters, I find myself, like, trying to, like, think about, like, oh, well, what kind of flavor do I want? Like, this is interesting for a character. Even if I never play this character, it's just very interesting to build these different mini lives and just like collaborating with people on telling a good story um and good like good that kind of like satisfies us as the players you know not necessarily like because most of my games are private I don't have that many streamed games as of right now um but I just I love the creativity that comes with it I love just diving into a character and you're like a on screen with somebody else who's also in character and just like playing out these lives that like I mean sometimes you wish you had to be honest like yeah. it's very much of escapism uh in many ways um but yeah I just I've always kind of been drawn to things that like spark creativity and D&D does that for me a lot like a lot a lot so yeah I love how you describe creating characters as creating many lives. Yeah. Which is I it. Mean, I mean, that is that is essentially what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I won't say that I go in depth with like all the characters that I've created, but like the ones that I have, it's just like I'm invested in that character. Like uh, this person has like this rich backstory that I, I want to explore this. I want to know what's going to happen to this person. Like, they're not real, but I need to know what's happening. Yeah. So, and how they're going to deal with certain situations. Like, and it's fun to play that out and try to, like, get into that, the headspace of somebody, somebody else, just somebody that you're not, somebody who's different than you, or even maybe somebody who's similar to you in some ways, you know? Because yeah. I do think that with characters, we do imbue a part of ourselves into those characters, whether it's consciously or not. Yeah. Um, so it's good to explore just different aspects of yourself as well. I never thought of it before, but it almost does feel when you're creating D&D characters that you're like mentally cloning a part of yourself uh, that is like yeah. this other shard of reality, a little bit of like, all right, let's let's see this aspect of, of, of me, but heightened uh, in a different way while also being able to tell these, these kind of swashbuckling, amazing stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. And I think that's why, like, you know, we're also drawn to, like, you know, just books and stuff is because, like, you can delve into, like, these lives of these characters and, like, find something that's relatable in them to you. And just, like, I mean, that's how you get invested in in things. And just, I don't, I don't know. I could go on about this forever. I just, I love, <laughs> I love that aspect. Because, again, it is, like, an escapism. But it's just, like, well, how would I deal with this situation? You know, like, I don't know if I would be able to handle it, but you know what? This person can, because I made, I built them to be able to handle this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like a mastery, like a, like a feeling of like, Oh yeah, I've prepared for this. And this is the exact moment where I get to shine and, you know, 
certainly in life you can go through and mo- have moments like that in professionals in, in your mm-hmm. professional life but it's so much more satisfying when you're like oh my god i'm doing yeah. this for for my little uh, uh you know fantasy character especially when like the dice are on your side that day. Oh, oh God. Oh, it feels better. <laughs> Nothing like it. Oh, good. It's like this, this was meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, and, and that does, you know, speak to when, like, uh, what you said about taking on and, and getting into the mind of somebody who's a, who's a little bit different than you. And that's really where that empathy comes in and where you can learn what it is like to to be someone else or to have a different value system or to come from a different place than where you come from. And I th- also, I think that's, you know, D&D provides that safe framework to explore that within, yeah. you know. Exactly. Exactly. That And that's what I love about it. It's just like, it's that safe place to explore. Like, you know, maybe aspects of myself that like I, in my regular day-to-day life, I don't really get to examine as in depth as maybe I want to or should. Yeah. Um, D&D can be, I think, too, just kind of a very, in some ways, a very healing uh, game, like to kind of work out some things it, in a safe way. Like, obviously, you don't want to, like, traumatize other people when you're trying to, like, work through <laughs> right. stuff. But, like, I do think that it kind of, it gives you the space to explore those feelings that maybe you don't get to explore in your real life. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the empathy point that you brought up, Shelly, too, because I think there's something about this game that allows uh, people from different backgrounds, from different, you know, uh, even just people who love horror versus people who love more heroic fantasy versus, you know, like it's all about different people coming together and having a shared goal. Um, And it is that's why it's so important, I think, to have, you know, people who are different from you at the table. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then just having like the people who are different at the table, but also their characters are very different. And then you're working together to accomplish some goal, whatever it may be. Um, it just helps you learn just how to work with different kinds of people. And like, again, how you would, how you would deal with like a certain kind of people, especially if like maybe, you know, they're, they're very much different from you, have different like mindset than you and I mean that's a good skill to have in just everyday yeah. life in general so I think D&D can help you to kind of hone those skills in a way in a safe environment um, where you're not going to be you know judged uh, harshly for like having some sort of having a reaction to something you know because it's at the end of the day as long as you know people are employing safety tools at the table like you know it should be okay you know, and if it's not, then you talk about it and you talk about why it's not, you know, why something that you did isn't okay to the rest of the group. So, yeah, I love how D&D can provide those things. I mean, you know, my daughter is going through some things at school and trying to figure out who she is and, and, and how she's dealing with relationships. And, you know, the stuff we're talking about here is like we're trying to give her the exact same tools, you know, in, in her in her, you know, friend group uh, that yeah. you inherently have to use when you're at the table. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's definitely one of those things where like, I think about, I'm like, dang, I wish I had come to D&D a lot sooner than I did. Like, I mean, I'm glad that I, you know, I found it like, quote unquote, later in life. But like, I kind of like, I wish I'm like, dang, I wish I had like, played this in middle school or in high school, because I do think it would have like, especially when it comes to like, communication and whatnot, it would have been an amazing tool to have had. So yeah, your story mirrors mine so much hearing you talk about 
like oh all my friends are you know playing D and D and like having like I don't want to just play Lord of the Rings and I, yeah. for me it was like I don't oh, no I don't want to rules and math and all that and just sub out the word friends and put coworkers and because <laughs> I who were also my my friends but yeah, yeah. I mean I I did not play D and D until I worked at Wizards of the Coast and had to learn how to play D and D and I too was hooked for me it was creating a character that was like oh i'm starting to understand i'm getting very attached to this character and i'm very excited about the idea of of exploring this whole new world with this character who can also you know possess also does magic and is way cooler (laughs) than i am as well yeah but also like i agree i wish i had discovered this when i was a kid i wish i i I knew people who played it. I wish I was invited to play it, and I just think that it it can do it can do wonders for yeah kids. But you know what? We found D anD D when it was meant to find us. So. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. We're here now, hundred percent. Like I, it, it clicked. It clicked with me right when I needed it to click with me, which was right before quarantine, and it yeah. helped me immensely through. It's helped me immensely through this pandemic. I'll be honest. Like that is. I, and I think that's why I'm like, I've gotten so attached to it because like just of the circumstances that we found ourselves in, like this has been very much like a solace for me playing D&D like once a week with friends. It's just like the one thing I'm like, okay, this week sucks, but I have this game coming up and I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait to see what we're going to do next. Like, you know, things like that. It's like, it helps helps me get through the week a lot of the times to like know that I have yeah. D&D coming up. <laughs> People need structure in their lives, right? So having that one, you know, whatever it is, but it is great when it's a game night because then you get to share so much too. It's not just a passive thing or we're going to watch football on this weekend. Like it's like, oh, we're we're communicating and and sharing ideas and things. And I just love that that has become a solace for so many people during this. It's it's wonderful to see. And just helping to like just build a world together and like explore a world that you are in, in many ways, helping to create, like, yes, like, we have the modules and they have, you know, set settings in them or, like, you know, a DM can have their homebrew world. But, like, I think that, like, a lot of, like, just the minutia of these worlds, like, players create, even if it's a goof. Uh, <laughs> and that's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we talk a lot about, like, how, tips on how to be a better dungeon master. or But... What do you think are some good tips for how to be a good player? Because you, you've talked about this, mm. this like desire. Like one of the things you really like is the collective storytelling and, and you know working together with people. But what what is it that makes you a good player or the people around your table a good player? Well, I'll preface this by saying like I think this is some a skill that like. I'm constantly trying to refine. Like I'm not never going to say like I'm the best player because right. I think that there's always something that I can learn or take away from a gaming experience. Um, I just think that the number one rule on how to be a good player is to just listen, especially to like your fellow players and also to the DM, like just like listen and also give like the other players the space to kind of like RP out scenes. Like you're not always going to be in every single scene, you know? And I, I think that listening and just like, you can, you can just you can absorb a lot by just listening to something, right? Like, and I just, I think that that's like 
kind of the number one rule. And then the second rule, which goes along with that is just to be communicative about like what your needs are, or if something makes you uncomfortable, like to just like make sure that you're expressing yourself. And when somebody does the same, make sure that you're listening to them when they say, Hey, that wasn't okay. I just think that like, it kind of goes back to that empathy thing, right? Like having empathy for the other people at your table will ultimately make you a good player. It'll, I think it'll also make your character a little bit more well-rounded too. Like just kind of like having like, just kind of thinking of the group instead of just yourself at the table. And again, like, I think that like, I'm not going to like, I think that that's something that I still am learning how to do every single day. Like no matter my experience level, like I do think that that's just something that like you constantly have to work at. Mm. Yeah. All the time. Sounds. So. You know what's so funny though, is like you could take a lot of what you just said and apply that advice to marriage, to I know. relationships, to everything. I was just... And Thank it's you. so great how those skills are the things that like this game just kind of engenders in in, in everybody. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I I, I mean, I, again, I think D and D can help hone these skills for your real life like relationships and whatnot. Yeah. Because yeah. I and because I, I mean, at the end of the day, the people at your table that is a real life relationship that you have with somebody. So they're helping you hone a skill and you're hopefully helping them hone the same skill as well. Um, like Arcana. Yeah. <laughs> or or, or uh, Perception, holding those yeah. skills at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would say too, like just in general, I think what makes not even just a good player, but just a table great is, you know, like making sure that you're like at session zero, you are employing, you, safety tools and whatnot and, and mm. talking to each other and say like, what do you want out of this campaign? What are you looking for? Like, what is your goal? DM, what is your goal? What are you looking for? Cause I think that, I mean, again, it's a shared experience between people. Um, I think a lot of the times when we talk about, you know, players, it's a lot of like player versus DM, but it's like the DM is a player too, and they should have yeah. fun too. So like if the DM's not having fun, what's the point? So again, it goes back to communication at the end of the day, like just talking and listening and, and learning about each other and like respecting people's needs um, yeah. and, and how they feel uh, during certain situations and taking a break to discuss if you need to do that. Like I, I, my tables, we do that a lot, especially at the end of a session, we'll talk about like what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, if you need to stop in the middle of a game, like, that's fine too. Nobody's going to like tell you no when it comes to that. So again, it's just respect and communication at the end of the day for all of these things. And, I, and there are some folks, uh, I will just say in the world who sometimes rail at the idea of safety tools and having that kind of honest communication. But the yeah. thing that I always go back to, and it's, you just kind of alluded to it, which is just that those actions and those those conversations are more freeing they're not restrictive. They allow yeah. more comfortable uh, exploration of things that may be, you know, especially in a horror setting, might be, you know, uh, uncomfortable yeah. for some people. But by having those lines and veils and everything kind of discussed out in the open, everyone knows where the boundaries are and and can, you know, freely discuss when they're, when they're going over them. So, you know, it's not restrictive to me. I think it's actually more freeing. I 100% agree with that. Um, I... 
it will always baffle me the people who rail against those kinds of things because it's like, do you want people to have fun? I'm confused. <laughs> or are you just <laughs> like, because this helps people have fun. Like this helps people know where the limits are instead of just assuming that nobody has boundaries and nobody, like nobody, everybody's just fine with everything. Whereas like, that's not true in real life. So why would that be true with D and D? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, going back to a sports analogy here, so apologies, but like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's clear definitions of what is allowed in a basketball game and what is not allowed. Yeah. And that just allows the game to be, you know, what it is. Right. And if you're not defining those things, then it just becomes this, you know, he said, she said kind of, you know, uh, subjective thing that nobody's really sure of where those, those rules are. You know, it's, so again, I think it, it just really just open up the possibilities of storytelling to potentially go to some dark places that everybody is is having fun with to feel that yeah. uh, that uncomfortability of like oh what's going to happen when that monster is around the corner type thing yeah exactly and and being able to like feel that uncomfortability but knowing that like if it gets to be too much you could say hey can we stop and yes. people will be respectful of that because again we want people to be respectful of that in our real lives <laughs> right like <laughs> So it's yeah. literally no different at the end of the day. And knowing that that trust is there with your group that like, hey, I know like if this gets dicey for me, no pun intended, um, <laughs> then I'm going to I'm going to stop and they'll respect that. I think that that just makes you feel you can just really embrace the vulnerability and just have at it. You'll just have yeah. a, a more um, immersive experience in general. And isn't that what we just want? That's yeah. literally what we want. That's why we play this game. That's <laughs> why we're playing this game. Else. Me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're playing in a couple of stream games. Although I know you said you have a a, a couple of, of of offline games, but mm -hmm. the stream games that's what that it's all about. It's that immersion, right? Of trying to be able to show not just for those of you at the at the table or you know the virtual table, but to your audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I haven't had many like streamed D&D &D games, like long-term campaigns. I've done a lot of one-shots for those, but just like in the other games that I've played, um, yeah, it is about like that immersion and stuff and like living and embodying a character and exploring that character in a safe and healthy way um, with horror. Like I, I do a horror game on Saturdays. Um, and again, it's like a lot of goofs and stuff, um, but my storyteller, Dimples and Dice, um, does such an amazing job at horror. Such a good job. Like, mm. has creeped me out so many times just with descriptions of things. And it's just fun to explore a world like that, for me anyway. Because um, I, I love horror. So, as we've already established. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> But that's a but, hard thing, right? That's a, Threading that needle is... is, is uh, so, what is it about... Um, your storyteller's uh, skill set that you think makes it so so vivid for you? He just has a way of describing scenes that like on the surface, you're like, okay. But then when you start thinking about it, you're like, that's not, mm -mm, no, <laughs> no. And he's like not afraid. And he's not afraid to like get like, not gory, nasty, but like, I want to say gross, but I don't mean like, you know, like explaining icky. body fluids is like icky. Like that's, the, that's uncomfortable. That's creepy. I would never want to be there, but this is also very fun. <laughs> right. Now that I'm here. Yeah. Now that I'm here, it's a lot of fun. My character hates this. I, as a player, 
I'm living for this, mm-hmm. but I also would not want to be in her shoes right now. In her stilettos, <laughs> I would not want to be in them right now. Okay. <laughs> but let's stomp some monsters with those stilettos. <laughs> I actually, when I, my first time playing this character in this game, I did kill a monster with my shoe. So, <laughs> ooh, do tell. It's a weapon. Yes. Um. So this is a a, a vampire game. Yeah. So right, and you said yeah. We it's were, okay. You can mention it. It's a vampire okay, the masquerade okay. game. Great, great. You're playing, right? Yeah, it's a vampire the masquerade game. And so this was like maybe like my second or third session playing on this streamed game, and I was like basically thrown into like oh they're hunting like this, they're being chased by like this monster that's like obsessed with one of the other player characters. And we get into the situation where, like, we have to fight this person. And my character's like, what's happening? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? And, I like, at, like, the last moment, I'm just like, I don't have anything. I didn't build this character to fight. She's, <laughs> like, kind of just a rich snob in a lot of ways. She, so I, she took off her loop, her pumps, and just, like, like got, got the monster in the head. And I rolled really well. <laughs> that was my first combat in that game was killing a monster with my shoe (laughs) amazing yeah so and now you you gotta build your entire character around taking off those shoes and throwing them uh, fashion and function well (laughs) we are (laughs) I think in the game we are getting into a situation where I we might have to fight and I did establish that she was wearing her heels because I made a joke about I think I got like one of the highest stealth rolls out of the group, like me and one other person whose character I think is also wearing heels. And so I was like, yeah, we managed to sneak in here wearing heels. I don't know what your problem is. Wow. It's just the two of us and a ghoul that we don't know. Uh, And we're like, might have to fight some people. I have no idea what's going to happen in in with this, but I'm just like, okay, well, at least she's wearing her sharpest pumps today. Uh, <laughs> Get those shoes <laughs> ready. <laughs> Being stealthy in heels is very tough. I th- I'm, I'm impressed. Well, she is, uh, I haven't said her name, her age on screen yet, so I won't do it here just because I want it to be a surprise. Um, but she is, she has a lot of life experience and she has learned how to do it is how I will phrase it. Um, <laughs> I dig it. That's good. Uh, and so, yeah, are you still you're still playing in that game, right? Yeah, um, we actually started our fourth. It is fourth season. I'm pretty sure it's maybe it's fifth season. I can't remember. We just started a new season like a, just a couple of weeks ago. So, um, and that's every Saturday. And that's um, uh, Philly by night. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Philly by night. Um, <laughs> that's at uh, it's nine p.m. Eastern. Um, it's my first time really playing a vampire game. Uh, and I love it. I've kind of I've grown just as attached to it as I have with D and D. Just Seems for like similar horror, reasons. Yeah, yeah, horror is in your in your wheelhouse. That definitely has a much more modern yeah. kind of uh, uh, take. Well, uh, Prince uh, Dimples would uh, complain jokingly that it's like I really want to run like a true horror campaign, but you guys are clowns because <laughs> 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 we're always just goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's that thing where it's like. Things are getting tense. I'm just gonna crack a joke right now. Um, I have you gotta to. have it. That comedy yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yes. comedy is a whole other genre, right? Like that's the whole yeah shtick of it is that you have these horrifying things happening, but then that's what makes it more funny because it releases mm-hmm. that yeah. tension. Yeah, exactly. And and again, like he still does a good job of 
thoroughly creeping us out when it comes to certain things like just and just having horrifying things happen to our characters again in a very safe way way. um but yeah just having horrifying things happen to our characters like last season my character had her literally her entire life basically ruined because she was being stalked and the stalker got like into her apartment basically got all like all sorts of information on her and like released it to the public breaking the masquerade Ooh, that changes everything mm-hmm. that changed everything um to the point where like when it came time for like our group to say yes or no to something my character was like well i don't really have anything left so i'm gonna just go do this thing you know <laughs> like what's the worst what what that worst thing could happen to me now. <laughs> it's very freeing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the premise to True Blood, really. <laughs> it's yeah. like, all right, there's vampires in the world now, you know. Yeah. Well, if True Blood and time travel were to merge, it would be mm. that, I think, because we did end up doing some time traveling last season. It was very interesting. That's cool. Like so the, the stalking, like, I mean, I can as we we're talking about safety tools, I can mm-hmm. see how you know, that could be something that's potentially very triggering to someone if you didn't know that was coming. Did your, did your game master tell you like, Hey, I got this story point for you. And I didn't know it was coming, but like our table is so open with communication that like, if I had said, Hey, I'm not okay with this. He literally would have just stopped stream right then and there. Okay. Well, like I'm and like, we, he, we did like a, you know, consent checklist and stuff like before I, I had to fill it out before I even joined. Uh, the cast. So I think I put that I was like, okay with those sort of things anyway. Um, But yeah, like, like he didn't tell me that like it was going to happen in that moment, but it's like, we have, we had talked about like these things in general before I even started playing with them. And like, I knew what I was getting into when I joined uh, Philly by night um, because he was very open with me about those things. And so. So Again, that's um, how it becomes freeing, right? Because you're like establishing it. It's an okay, safe space, but you don't know when it's going to happen. So you still have the element of surprise that exactly. as a character, you know, you know, you can play it as naturally. You're not just being like, oh, he, they checked ahead of it and it's the next, you know, a next session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of loses its, 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 its teeth a little bit. Yeah. I had literally no clue it was happening. It was going to happen. Like, it was just good. And it wasn't like suddenly I'm being sucked. There were like subtle hints to like something going on mm. that like I later kind of led me to realizing, oh, there's somebody who is like obsessed with my character and like to the point where like obsessed with her, but also they learn that she's a vampire. So also just dis- like weirdly disgusted with her at the same time. Uh, it's like that love hate thing. It's mm-hmm. like, I love you, but also you're a monster. Um, so I'm going to like I'm going to expose you for what you truly are. Um, interesting. That's a really, I mean, obviously, again, doing it safely, but that's such an interesting way to to explore. I mean, you think of, you know, the uh, un- very unfortunate assassinations that have occurred, like of John Lennon or, or, or you know, even the yeah. thing of, you know, of, of Jodie Foster. Like, there's all those elements of what you're talking about involved in yeah. those real, very real-life cases. So it's yeah. fascinating. And um, my character is, like like, a public figure, like, famous, so... It does. It does very harken back to that. I honestly never thought about that until now. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> there you go. You got some new stuff. source material. I well, do. Now, <laughs> but now you're going to be playing in a, 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 a another stream game, right? A D and D yes. game. Yes. Yes. It airs tomorrow night. Um, oh, is it the debut? 
it is the debut. We had our session zero last week. Um, that was offline. So tomorrow will be episode one. Um, it'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's called The Tales of Faerun. It is a homebrew fairy tale inspired setting. Oh, I love it. Very excited for it. Like, oh, like, and when I say inspired by it, it's basically like a lot of fairy tale characters are supposed to like show up in this uh, game in one way or another. Um, my character is based on like, well, inspired by rather, not really based on, but like inspired by um, a couple different fairy tales. So I'm very excited for her. Um, her name's Nouvelle. She's going to be an arcane trickster rogue. Ooh, uh, I love yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get too much in your backstory because like none of the other players even know, except for like one player, one other player knows because he, their backstories are tied. Um, oh, cool. But I'll just say like, she is kind of on the run in a way she ran away from home and she is trying to find a way to break a curse. Um, nice. So yeah, like a fairy tale esque curse. Oh, that's uh, so cool. So I'm very excited. The world is uh, my, the DM uh, Kitty has done a fantastic job with the world building like even when we did our session zero last week, I left that session wanting more of the world because I wanted to know what was going on. Um, and just, I love exploring these places that people create. It's so much fun. That's cool. It reminds you the way you're describing this one. It reminds me of fables. Did you ever read that comic book series? I did it. I'm vaguely familiar with it though. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's more in a modern setting, right? So it's like, you know, fairy tales, but in New York City. Yeah. Uh, we don't. And so uh, I love that idea of playing with, you know, these stories that we know and love. I was, and I was initially going to say that it's very, sounds very different from your, from your milieu, but fairy tales can yeah. also be oh, very yeah. scary. They can be. Horrific. Yeah. So like it's, it actually is much closer, you know, and is, that's the exciting part about, about um, taking these fairy tale characters, even the, the Disney characters we were talking about in the beginning of this interview and twisting yeah. them on their head and making them feel a little bit, more adult and more mature and also, mm -hmm. you know, some of these horrific themes. I will say this. Um, in our session zero, we got into combat and the creatures we were fighting, very freaky. <laughs> very freaky. I'll say that. Like, we we killed one and then it came back to life. Oh, oh. So, very okay. <laughs> yeah. So Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So I'm definitely like, she very much set the tone for what could be possible in this game. And I'm very excited for it. Um, and just like, I've, I've been, I've known about this campaign for months now. Cause she approached me like a few months ago to like, see if I would play. Um, and she's been working with all of us ever since, just sort of helping us to build our characters and giving us information about the world um, based on what our characters would know. And it's like, I, I haven't like, I love, working with my DMs to help flesh out my character even more. I just think that's like such, it's an enriching experience to do that because then you kind of get like, they kind of know what you're looking for out of your character and you kind of know like what, like you get ideas from them and they'll help you like just build an amazing character. And Kitty helped me with my character a lot because we had like an hour long conversation about it. It was amazing. I think that. Mm -hmm. See, that's the type of player that I love so much. As someone who wants to, build a tapestry, you know, with you, not just yeah. passively being like, oh, my character is going to, you know, kill that 
dragoning <laughs> and get that gold. You know, like that, I mean, that's a certainly valid way to play. Some people really do love that tactical oh, way mm-hmm. to do it. But for me, it's always about having that shared storytelling moment where yeah. everybody's bringing ideas and almost it feels like a writer's room, right? It feels like everybody yeah. is just writing this story uh, together and making it more rich because of all those intertangled uh, yeah. influences and thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And it helps me, it helps me to like, just get more invested in the world that she's built. Right. Because yeah. she's like, well, here's some ideas that you could have for this character. She could be from this region and like, this is what's going on there. And it's like, I think when I first started before I even uh, talked to Kitty, like Nouvelle was going to be just an Eldritch Knight fighter. Mm. And then we started talking about it and I was like, Oh, I think actually Arcane Trickster Rogue would work even better for her because of her backstory. Like, so it helped me. Her backstory helped in help inform what class she was going to be, and even like the subclass that she was going to be, just because of all the things that uh, Kitty and I discussed. Oh, that's so. cool. Do you typically come up with uh, the class type of character you want to be, and then the backstory, or do you come up with backstories and then? do like what you just described it kind of depends like a lot of the times for my the characters that I have like I'll just get an idea and I'll just make a character the ones that I've played though I will say I think most of the time I come up with their character first and then I think about their backstory but I do it in such a way that their backstory again their backstory informs their class Mm. and who they are and so like if I like build a character and the backstory that I come up with like suddenly doesn't really fit like what they are. I'll just straight up change it because the class is kind of like, I mean, that's uh, malleable, you know, like they could be anything um, as long as it fits. And if it doesn't fit, then I can just change it. Um, But yeah, I think like the characters that I'm thinking of that like have like really rich backstories, I think I made them first and then I came up with their backstories. Um, but in such a way that again, like it's flexible, but like, sometimes I don't have to be, sometimes I don't have to change them. Like I have a, a circle of stars druid and she was a circle of stars druid when I made her. And then I came up with her backstory and I was like, okay, well, this is why she's a druid mm-hmm. because she, her, unfortunately her mother could not keep her. And so she was left with, uh, left at a monastery with of druids and she's circle of stars because this is a temple of Ceylon. So she studies, she loves the stars because of that. You know, she, that's what she learned growing up. So that's who she is. Um, There's she's a lot one of my favorite characters. <laughs> that sounds like a really cool character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love druids. There's so much, they can do so much. I know. <laughs> Too powerful. Yeah. My DM, my DM for that game, like has, uh, threatened many times to find a way to nerf uh, <laughs> Moonbeam because they're tired of me killing all their all their baddies with Moonbeam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've tinkered with uh, with designing subclasses too, right? Yeah, so I'm kind of getting into that this year. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, they kind of approached me saying that she wants to sort of you know, start building out different subclasses. And she's like done homebrew stuff before. So she was just like, hey, can you help me? Could you like, maybe I can bounce feedback off, like bounce ideas off of you, give me feedback. And so she and I have been sort of working off and on on just making subclasses. Like we have one, um, let me see if I can find it actually. Um, 
So we were just talking. It's like the, it's a monk class because I'm also just obsessed with monks. Um, I think it's like it's like a way of the stars monk. Oh, combining um, your love of the the Jewish yeah. stars there. Yeah, yeah, but also just like you know, like giving it like you know radiant abilities and whatnot. Um, mm. Yeah, right. That is the one elemental thing that's not in uh, you know the way the monks deal damage right doing some radiant that's a cool idea yeah exactly so like we kind of like we're playing with that and like and honestly like taking some things from like circle of stars druid and like cleric abilities and whatnot to help inform this monk and like we're still working on it um but i'm very excited to like play this monk when it's finished because again like i monks and rogues i found that those like i just gravitate toward them a lot um, and so I love a good monk, and I'm very excited to play this subclass. Um, we might change the name, uh, but uh, Way of the Stars right now is kind of where we're at. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited. And then um, I was approached by someone to kind of help uh, help them with world building for their homebrew campaign, just kind of like giving feedback for certain things and like, hey, this doesn't really fit or this doesn't, this uh, kind of... Um, is contrary to what you yeah or like this is contrary to what you've already said like you should so we haven't started that but i'm I'm very excited to get into it when we we're starting doing that like a little workshop like almost like a writer's circle sort of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it's, like edit, kind of it's like world building editing yeah i I'm, i special i'm sorry go ahead yeah no i just like it's like the specialized editor but for your world yeah and i mean i love that kind of stuff like i've in the past helped like friends write books and stuff like just being a beta reader and giving feedback on that kind of stuff so it's like I I've done it in the past before and so I'm just very excited to get into it in a hobby that I really really enjoy yeah it's like I a writer's group but for it but is. for D material yeah exactly I'm, I dig it. <laughs> that's very cool yeah are do you have any like do you have your eye on dming at all do you think that's something you would want to try your hand at um, I had, I did DM, uh, a couple weeks on over unrolling these twenties, um, because we were offline for vampire and, uh, Prince was busy with some other stuff. Um, I like DMing. I don't, I just in my personal life do not have a lot of time for it. Yeah. Um, I don't have the time to, to dedicate. And I know that like a lot of DMs are like, you don't have to prep that much, but like you have to do some prepping and I just don't really have the time between getting other stuff. Um, And I do kind of just enjoy playing because I like to be surprised a lot of the time. Yeah. And I know like as a DM, you can be surprised by things that your players do, but like you kind of know what's going to happen. And I just like to be surprised. Um, I did enjoy, I do like in the rare times that I do DM, I do enjoy it though. Um, I just, I find it uh, very fun to be on the other side of the table and just see what people come up with. Um, Actually, the game that I did, you, this will not surprise either of you. The <laughs> thing that I did on Rolling These 20s was Death House from Curse of Strahd, just okay. because it was like, I'm kind of familiar with this module, and it's it was like around Halloween anyway, so it just fit. Um, and I, I just had a lot of fun. I almost killed everybody, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> You should have. You should have just taken them up. <laughs> Listen, they Almost. somehow managed. They somehow managed the way. I I did not pull any punches, um, but they found a way to get through it. I'm very proud of them. I was rolling very well for once because I normally roll like garbage. Uh, 
<laughs> but when it comes of course, to when you're the DM, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Makes sense. That's how it always is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been very awesome uh, talking to you, Farron. I love all of your you know, just energy and 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 uh, talking about the the horror games as well as uh, what you're doing here for. Um, I think it's called the Greater Restoration Crew. Is that what it is? Yeah, um, or uh, it goes by the underscore gr underscore crew on Twitch and Twitter. Um, yeah, and that's where the Tales of Favor will be premiering tomorrow. Very exciting. Very oh, I think by the time great. this airs, it'll be it'll be a couple episodes. Yeah. you're going to do it weekly. It's going to be weekly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, great. So I think by the time people are listening to this, uh, you'll have a couple episodes. And hopefully, uh, folks will be able to binge those first three episodes and, and jump right in. I hope so, and I I hope they enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun it the cast is amazing um we had such a good time during session zero so i'm very excited for what we're gonna do in the coming uh weeks cool stuff it sounds Um, really cool and that again is at the underscore gr underscore crew on twitch yeah and on twitter and on twitter great awesome um yeah and so yeah why don't you give us all the 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 details here for rolling d's 20s as well as how people Mm -hmm. can can follow you Okay. Well, uh, best way to know what I'm doing, what I'm, when I'm doing it is by following me on Twitter at Fairbear, uh, P-H-E-R-B-E-A-R. Um, Thursday nights, like I said, I'm going to be on uh, the Greater Restoration Crew, 8 p.m. Eastern for our Tales of Faerun campaign. And then Saturday nights, you can find me over on Rolling D's 20s, um, 9 p.m. Eastern for our Vampire the Masquerade campaign. Uh, I also have a couple other things coming up soon um, that haven't been announced yet, and I'm very Ooh. excited. So absolutely follow me on Twitter to know more. Um, some charity stuff coming up and whatnot, and then a a new limited run campaign that I will be doing uh, later this month, actually. Um, so I'm very excited. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're doing lots of cool stuff. It is, it is great am. to get to hear about it. It's It's amazing. Because I think even like a couple of years ago, if you had told me I would be here, I would just laugh at you and tell you that you're out of your mind. <laughs> People laugh at us and tell us that all the time. So I would never. Wouldn't be weird at all. I often think about going to you know my mom in 1989 and seeing like, I don't think we should be throwing away these D&D books because it's going to be really uh, cool. <laughs> it's going to be my job one day. It's going to be popular, mom. It's going to pay my bills. It's going to pay your grand's. Kids' bills. You son of a- right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have to go uh, in Philly by night and go back in time, and I'll be able yes. to do that exact that. Yeah. Exact Don't thing. get them started. Absolutely. Yeah. Find find uh, some time portals. <laughs> get you where it. you need to go. <laughs> I got it. All right. Um, we'll we'll talk to you about where we can find those those time portals in in Philly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. It was awesome, awesome talking to you, Farron. I enjoyed that conversation so, so much. Oh, I love Fair. She's so sweet. Very, very sweet. Great insights into all things uh, about running games and playing in them. Good stuff. Yep. Yep, yep. So that is this episode of Dragon Talk. I am your host, Greg uh, Tito. You okay. can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter or Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. What about you, Shelly Moo? I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Follow so, us all there for fun stuff. If you like yeah. Star Trek, I have a podcast called Reengage. Uh, you can follow us at, at Reengage TNG. 
And we're in the third season of watching through all the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. This is where it gets good, people. Moving so right along. Move right along. You can jump right in with the third season, watch along with us. And uh, we've got a lot of people from the TRPG community uh, talking about Star Trek, too. So new one coming up soon. Huge crossover there. Crossover Crossing for sci-fi. Over. Huh? Uh, uh. Uh, we're confirming some things here. So uh, let us now go to what is happening with Drunky Two-Shoes. What is happening? She's in a fight for her life. The doppelgangers, uh, some of them have been destroyed. Some of them are still threatening. Samson has just taken a bunch of damage. Oh, You're Samson. at the bottom of the ladder. Your brother, Daryl Two-Shoes, at the top of the ladder. He's trying to... Uh, stave off hopefully any more uh, doppelgangers from coming down. Samson just took eight damage. What are you going to do? Oh, is it my turn? It is your turn. Um, I mean, I, he already took a healing potion, right? That I pulled out yeah. of his butt crack, which got uh, him back up to which got him back up to full. But then he took another stab from these doppelgangers coming at him. Okay, and there's one that's in front of me. Yeah, there's two. Uh, well, you you and Samson are kind of near the ladder. There's two who are on him. None of them are engaged with you right now. And then you hear Daryl uh, up above saying, "Hurry up, get up here!" All right. Well, I'm going to do. I some think we can trap him down there. Acid splash. I I can't hear you because uh, I'm going to throw some acid splash on the two two of them. Okay, roll. Are they within like five feet of each other? Yeah, they are actually. Cool. Oh my gosh. Oh, okie dokie. Let's. Oh, is this just a hit? Or do I have to roll a... Uh, yep, you're going to do a deck. Okay, one missed, one got it. How do you know what the saving throw was? Well, I rolled a three and a 19, so I assume the 19 passed and the three didn't. Correct, you're absolutely correct. Okay, so the one that got hit takes 10 acid damage. Whoa, 10 acid damage, really? Yes, sizzle, sizzle, all right, and I'm going to say that this was the one that you had already uh, attacked and done some damage with oh. uh, before, or Samson had, and the burning acid just kind of flings on him, and you hear those the sounds going just as uh, their oddly shaped alien skin starts bubbling and, and, and frothing, um, and it screams in this otherworldly kind of ululation ah, of horribleness and falls down unconscious. Ooh. You have one more doppelganger left. And Samson, it's his turn. He he's rolling horribly. Uh, and Samson. you see he's just he's out of his element. He's not I'm not good at close fighting like this. I'm much better on the battlefield. Okay. Well, I don't want don't kill him, Samson. We gotta keep one of these guys alive. Understood. Trap him. Daryl. Go up the ladder. Go up the ladder. Join your brother. Why? We gotta trap this dude. We'll trap him down here. There's no exits. Oh. I see what you mean. Uh, how do I get a hold of... All right. Daryl. Daryl. I don't know what to do with these guys. With this guy. Like, what do we do here? How do we get in touch with Lady... Uh, Larry, Laryl Silverhand. Let's get out of here first, Samson says. What? what? Somebody could let him out. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. All right. You stay put. Daryl, we'll you're not leaving either. if this other Dappleganger is able to take out Samson oh, in the next round. no. Daryl. I'll send Daryl to Lady Aladrons. No, what's Ooh. her name? Laryl. <laughs> Laryl. Uh, Laryl, go to Ms. Silverhands and tell her we've caught a doppelganger and might have killed a couple other ones. And Daryl says, I, I, 
He's, he's calling up above, and he's and he, you know it's in the, in the lick of the battle. Uh, he's like, "There's nobody up here yet, but I hear footsteps. I have a scroll of message. <gasps> I'm going to use it. Please do." All right. So you hear him kind of muttering and unrolling of a, of papers, and we'll see. Finally, if he's able to get a message out. Ah, Daryl. Finally. Finally coming together. All right. We'll we'll figure out exactly what he says uh, in our next bit. <laughs> we have one week. Come on, Daryl. We got this. Hang in there, Samson. Mm-hmm. 